This is Queen Victoria. Welcome to Murder Lab. So today I'm going to do something a little different. Instead of having a regular episode where I talk about different serial killers, and technically this would have been the um, fourth in the four-part series of serial killers that had murder labs, but I'm not doing it. I decided to do what I'm calling a fun-sized episode. So part of the reason it's fun-sized is because if you don't know, I am not quite five feet tall. I'm like four eleven and a half. So I have actually been called fun-sized before. So there you go. So it's that, and then it's also possible that it may not be a full-length episode. And it's also just going to be some fun. So there it is. If you're familiar with Last Podcast on the Left, then you will know that they have their regular episodes, where it's Ben, Marcus, and Henry, and they also have side stories episodes. It's usually just Ben and Henry, and they generally cover... Uh, current news and stuff like that. And then they also have relaxed fit episodes where sometimes all three of them are on there and they just kind of, you know, it's, it's relaxed. So they just shoot the shit, you know, whatever. So this is kind of like uh, my version of the relaxed fit last pa- podcast on the left, which if you don't already know, that is my favorite podcast. You just don't know how much I love it. So if you're not familiar with it, you should get familiar with it. Might not be for everybody, but I think it is fantastically wonderful and it is my favorite thing. Now, before I go any further, I would like to dedicate this episode to my buddy, Travis Paul Hatch. Now, most of you who are listening probably know who he is. If you don't, then that's something else that you need to discover. He's, uh, he's actually been waiting for a heart for about two or three years now. He has an LVAD, which if you're not familiar, it's basically like a mechanical pump that's in there. So uh, he actually does not have a pulse. It's kind of crazy. So we've been waiting for a heart, and it's super exciting because he just went through the transplant procedure. He finally got a heart after waiting these years. So today I'm dedicating this episode to him. So I'm even drinking Redemption Rye that he got us for Christmas. So I'm drinking some Redemption Rye, and this is in honor of my buddy, my boy, my brother, Travis Paul Hatch. So speaking of Travis Hatch... We have been buddies for years, and it's one of those things where as soon as we met, we just clicked, and we just automatically became, like, best friends. It's interesting because he's known Todd for years, so they had hung out for a while, and then, um, I don't know, I think maybe they fell out of touch for a little bit, and then we started hanging out again, and now we're, like, inseparable. Uh, It's one (laughs) one of those deals where, I don't know if you guys do this, too. But we always have a Facebook conversation going on throughout the day. So it'll be Travis Todd, Travis's girlfriend, Jamie, and I. We just randomly chat throughout the day. So there's always a conversation going on. And then I always randomly have another conversation going on with Travis, Travis, either by myself or with someone else or whatever. So Travis and I are pretty much always talking. The reason this is important is because this is part of how the Murder Lab name came to be. I work for a company that has been bought several times by different people, so it's been under different names. The most recent time we were purchased, we had been downtown Dayton, kind of tucked away, so we ended up moving to deeper in downtown. So, well, basically, I'll just tell you, it's on First Street. I don't know how specific I want to be, but uh, of course, some of you that listen uh, work there too, so you already know. And it became a thing where before they had their own parking lot. 
So we didn't have to pay for parking, and I was pretty sweet. Then when we moved, they were like, oh, by the way, now you have to use parking garages and or parking lots or, you know, whatever, and you'll have to pay for them. They did set up a system where they'd give us money and then, you know, taper it off within three years to give us time to build it into our budgets. So my thing was, let's go with the cheaper option. And if I have to walk a little bit, eh, that's okay. Exercise is not going to hurt me. I wound up parking, finding a parking lot. It's about three blocks from work. And uh, it's like 35 bucks a month as, month as opposed to like 55 or 75 or anything like that. So the funny thing about this parking lot is it's tucked away behind these scary looking buildings. And I'm not kidding. It looks like kind of like a building that would be perfect in a horror movie. There's an abandoned building that the parking lot faces. And there's even like a creepy alley in between the buildings. And then, so if you stare straight ahead, there's a creepy alley and you turn to left and you, which you walk towards work. So the building has one of those walkways that's covered going to a parking garage. So you walk under this creepy walkway of this abandoned building in this alley. It's just creepy. And I would even try to walk to the front of the building. Like maybe that's less creepy because you're the other side of the building, you're walking alongside the road. So you feel a little safer. But I swear to God, these buildings are empty, but they're creepy. It's just, it looks like, in my mind, there has to be a serial killer in there with a lab set up, just chopping people up, torturing them. It's like the perfect, to the point where <laughs> there's a couple entranceways in the front. And one of them, the sidewalk is super slippery even when it's not raining out. So, and especially in the winter, or if it is raining, it's really slippery. There's a part of me that's like, okay, if someone's going to get me, you know, maybe they'll grab me through that door. I'll go to run and I'll do the Scooby-Doo run where my feet don't go anywhere. And they'll just yank me off the sidewalk and, you know, I'm in the murder lab. So I would actually walk towards the street and kind of walk along the street for a second there. So uh, it's possible that I'm ridiculous. But that's how creepy this place was. Like, it literally freaked me out for about a year <laughs> walking. But, you know, I was like, okay, I'm just going to be vigilant. And all little four, four, eleven and a half of me is going to look as vicious as I can, which I don't think that's possible. I'm pretty sure it just looks like Wicket, you know, who's really, I mean, the Ewoks, they could be pretty badass. But when you first look at them, that's the whole point is, you know, they don't look threatening. So I'm pretty sure I just look like a little Ewok walking along the sidewalk and no one's going to, you know, even if I have a spear, they're going to be like, oh, you know, that's a cute little wee walk. I'm going to take it and see what's inside like a tauntaun. I would talk to Travis about this and I would be like, man, this place is creepy. It's got to be some kind of murder lab. And I honestly don't remember if he said it or I said it, but this became our focus as soon as we had moved into that building is I would be like, man, I was at the murder lab again. I swear to God, there has to be, there might be two or three in there. This building is huge. So the other thing that added to it was that, so there's this parking lot kind of tucked away. There's the scary buildings. And then to the right, there's office buildings with a little baby parking lot. No dumpsters, right? So there's no dumpsters. And there's this little patch of grass and a stop sign. And then I would just see random garbage bags at that stop sign. 
in the middle of like nothing. So there's no garbage cans. There's no reason for a garbage bag to be there. So you know, of course, what I immediately think, it's a murder bag. So it's either a murder kit of someone planning to kill, or it's like shit left over from killing someone. So it could be pieces of them. It could be evidence. I don't know. But why else would there just be a random garbage bag right there? And it's kind of tucked away. So it's not terribly obvious. So I would take pictures and send it to Travis like, oh my God, there's another murder bag here. And, you know, and we'd theorize and to the point where (laughs) we were talking about uh, camping out and trying to watch and see who left the bag. And even more importantly, did someone else pick up the bag? Because maybe there is a whole other element to it that we don't even know. So we were thinking of stocking these garbage bags. And I was tempted to look and see what was in it. But then I was like, oh, God, you know, if it is something, I don't know. Like, that's creepy. What if the murder guy, the murder lab scientist guy, finds me and sees that I'm looking in his murder bags? And that's, I don't know that I could take that. I don't know if I could handle that kind of stress. So I was like, all right, we're just gonna, we're gonna let it go. And eventually the novelty kind of tapered off a little bit. Although I noticed on the walk to work a little bit ways down the road there was another bag out of nowhere next to a light pole and I was like what is going on here are they just putting it all over which is a good idea but you'd think you'd spread it out farther so then I noticed there was a sticker on it that had like a price looked actually like someone paid to have a special drop so they could just leave their garbage bag wherever and the garbage people would come pick it up wherever. So I guess that's probably the more reasonable answer, but it could be a decoy because I don't even know if that's officially a thing. I didn't look it up. I was just like, okay, that's probably, that makes a little more sense than it being a murder kit or a dead body or something. And of course we're dragging Todd along this whole time with the whole murder lab thing. And uh, he has lots of fun with us, I'm sure. (laughs) Probably sometimes more than others. So that is the official um, origin of the murder lab name is it just comes from the scary buildings that look like a murder lab. I noticed they're actually fixing it up now. So I have seen, got a glimpse in the murder lab. It is freaking scary in there. Mostly, granted, because it's just a big warehouse. So, you know. But, uh, oh, dude, there was a time. There was one time when I was walking by and some guy was just standing next to the one of the doors in the murder lab. And I was like, okay. So he's got his hood up, which that doesn't necessarily mean anything, because sometimes I wear my hood up, you know, if it's sprinkling or whatever. But I did notice it wasn't really that cold and it wasn't sprinkling. He just had his hood up and he's standing there looking kind of antsy. And there's not really much around there. So I'm like, okay, maybe it's nothing. Let's be calm. But, you know, let's be sensible. We'll just keep our eye out. So I was watching him out of the corner of my eye, trying to look like, you know, hey, I'll put up a fight. If you want, if you, if you come at me, I will come back at you. I don't care how little I am, which he would probably just, again, he's like, oh, look at that Ewok. Well, he just stood there. Okay, so he just stood there. And I noticed that the next day, that door is busted out. So it was a glass door that was busted open. So somebody had just gone there, and I don't know if it was him, but he was there the next day. So I don't know what he was doing. I haven't seen him since, but there was something going on. Then, Then they finally, it took him like days to board this window up at this building. So I don't know what was going on. But finally, they have like big construction dumpsters and they're throwing shit out the windows and they're cleaning it up. So I don't know what it's going to be. It would actually be a kind of cool building if they would do something with it. Which, side note, apparently 
my buddy who I work with, she actually used to work in that building way back in the day. Well, not way back in the day because she's, she's young. She is a young, lively woman. And I'm not saying her name now because that would throw me under the bus because I just made her sound old. But I don't know how long it's been since she worked there. It's got to be at least over 10 years because she's worked with me for like that long. So that is the Murder Lab name. A little more background on Murder Lab Media. If you're familiar with the TV show, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, it is one of my favorite shows. Like, I can literally just watch it and watch it and watch it and watch it and I'll get tired of it. I love it. So you will hear me talk about last podcast on the left, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and then of course Seinfeld and a myriad of other things I think I've probably mentioned on the uh, website, murderlabmedia.com. The reason I'm mentioning It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, so I've got some buddies that are in a band called Dipspit, and uh, one is called Dipspit, the other is called DJ Dump Truck, and I've known also known them for years. I met them about the same time that I had met Travis, maybe a little bit after. So we were talking, and uh, DJ Dump Truck was saying it would be fun to do the Nightman Cometh episode from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And I was automatically on board. I'm like, okay, let's plan it right now. And he's like, whoa, 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 we have a lot going on right now. Maybe we should wait and do it later. So I was like, okay, I'll give you a little time, but I'm excited because I will totally do this. And I will do most of the work and you just have to show up. And and of course he was going to be frank because if you know him, it's perfect. So about a year went by or so and Todd and I were talking. We're like, it's time. We just need to do this. My birthday was coming up. And I thought, what a better birthday party than to put on The Nightman Cometh and to also do it for charity. So all of the proceeds went towards charity. A charity that I like is the Ronald McDonald House. I actually drive by their um, Dayton facility every day, like twice a day. I think it's a really good organization. So I thought, well, that would be great. And the other thing that makes it great is that's Mac's real name on the show is Ronald McDonald. So it couldn't have been more perfect. We had tryouts, and we got our cast together. It was a lot of work, but it was so much fun. So basically, we uh, we put it on. We sold 200 tickets. We made $2,000 for the charity. We had a hell of a time. We had a great response. I got to learn about directing and acting, and um, I hadn't really acted before. But I was D, which is kind of funny because, again, super short. And I'm also kind of chubby. So I was a short, chubby D. But let me tell you, what I lacked in D's looks, I did have her attitude. So I was like, you know, I was terrified, frankly. I was terrified of acting. But since I'm a musician, I'm used to being in front of people. And if I know what I'm expected to do, if I'm confident in what I'm doing, then I can get up there and do it and be okay. So that was uh, that was eye-opener, though, is to have to memorize lines and then also direct people and figure out the problems. But I will say they were an amazing team. They were phenomenal. You know, we were all in it together. It was truly a group thing. That sounded interesting. Well, <laughs> there were moments actually in the play where it looked like it was getting to be there. Anyway, uh, so it was fantastic, and I loved it. I would love to do something like that again. We were ta- We talked about doing it again. But then, uh, you know, we were like, well, we've done it. So Todd, who I've mentioned is uh, my muse and uh, my Olivia Newton-John, he uh, he said, look, 
I know you love to do this. I know you want to do it again, but maybe you should do something original. You know, you've written some songs. You've had some experience with the situation. You could totally do this. So you should just write a musical and then we have something original and, you know, can truly be ours and we can go for it. So go for it, go for it. So, so I thought, okay, well, what would I write a musical about? Because that sounds like fun. Naturally, honestly, the first thing that I thought of was serial killers. And the past few years I had been, I'd always been, you know, interested in that, but I hadn't really looked too deeply into it. But I had recently started reading more about it and um, Todd had introduced me to podcasts, which I had been a little hesitant to venture into because there's just, it's such a big world. There's so many things that I was like, I don't even know where to start. But he started me with the last podcast on the left and I was like, well, fuck yeah. So I've got this. Let's see what else is out there. Um, I will say as good as other podcasts are, I just, nothing can beat last podcast. So that, that's just hands down my favorite and the best so far. So while I was, I was doing research for my musical. I already had some ideas, but I was like, it would, I think it would be helpful if I read about a bunch of serial killers and I get, you know, I get the feel for it. And and maybe that will also help inspire and educate and, you know, articulate whatever, you know, <laughs> like say articulate and then whatever. That's great. Uh, <laughs> I tried to look up a list. Oh my God. There are so many. Like, I knew there were a lot, but holy shit. Like, you should look on, I think, if you look on Wikipedia and just look up list of serial killers, it's mind-boggling. Like, there's, like, over 300. I don't even know. There's a ton. So I immediately was like, well, shit, I can't start with a, that's big of a list. Like, where the hell do I start? So the easiest way for me was I just started getting serial killer encyclopedias. And, you know, if there were specific books that I found that looked interesting, I'd pick those up. But I basically went through and just started reading these encyclopedias and taking notes. So while I was taking notes, Todd looked at me and he's like, so when's the book report due? And I was like, ha ha ha, you're funny. Uh, and he's like, no, seriously, when are you going to do a podcast? And my immediate response was like, Ugh, I'm sure that, you know, I need to do a podcast. I'm sure there's another podcast that needs to be thrown out there into the world. And so I was leery and I was like, I don't know, I'm not really, it would have to be something that I felt was different enough to actually do and spend my time on and feel like people might possibly be interested. So I kind of was like, I don't know, I'll put that in the back burner in the back of my mind and I'm just going to keep plugging away. Well, then I was having dinner with Travis one night. He asked if I had seen any sim similarities in the serial killers yet. And at that point, you know, I had seen some of the obvious ones, but I was like, I don't know. Like, there's some things there, but nothing that's really jumped out at me that seemed like big major, like, revelations or I don't know. But then later, I was reading something and it clicked. Like, I read something about someone who would take pictures of the dead bodies or take pictures of the victims. And I had just read something else about another person that took pictures. And that kind of clicked where I said, well, maybe that's it. Where... Most of the podcasts that I had been listening to and had happened upon, this is the murder started. They were born, you know, this happened to them. They did these things. They were caught or not caught. And then this happened. So it's a very linear thing. Now, granted, I have not listened to every podcast. I've not listened to lots and lots of podcasts. It's possible there's a podcast like this out there. I have not happened upon it yet. I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have fun-sized episodes and drink Redemption Rye while they were doing it. They wouldn't do it the way the Queen does it, basically. 
so I thought, well, maybe the interesting thing, because that's what I'm, I'm interested in. How do they connect? You know, I like lists of things. I'm very OCD when it comes to things. Um, I don't just have a app on my phone that lists my serial killer books. I also write them in a notebook along with a list of all the podcasts that pertain to that person and all of the, you know, issues of serial killer magazine that they are in, along with documentaries that I know that they're in. So I have them both written and in, you know, saved in my phone and that kind of thing. So I'm very into labeling. I literally have masking tape stickers on my books to label them because like the encyclopedias, I like to have them numbered. So I have a spreadsheet with them numbered. And then I have a list of the serial killers and all of the references that I have in my books to them. So when I'm looking at a serial killer, I can just look at my reference list and say they're in book one, two, three, four, seven, ten, And then I look at those books and that's how I work on my outline. Anyway, so I like lists. I like organizing, that kind of thing. So the idea appealed to me of having a podcast where I say, okay, so these five serial killers all did this one thing and then talk about them. Ideally, um, as I get more used to the formula and the format and get more comfortable, then I would like to even delve into a why that thing and have guests and interviews and that kind of thing. So now it's more of informational, but it will get more introspective. And I would love to hear your suggestions. I've already had some suggestions like, hey, I'd like to hear your thoughts more or your hot takes. So that's part of the reason for this episode is I can be more relaxed. Um, I do the thing like on Talladega Nights when, uh, what is it, Ricky Bobby is being interviewed on the TV and his hands are just like up by his face. He's like, I don't, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> that's kind of like how I feel talking to nobody is it's very unnatural for me. I'm used to having some kind of feedback, but then I'm too much of a control freak to have somebody else in the room with me distracting me. So <laughs> until I get used to playing nicely with others, um, then, you know, I uh, have been doing the mostly informational, but it's kind of nice to just cut back and yeah, talking things. So once I decided to do that format, then I was like, okay, you know what? I would be willing to try doing a podcast like that. And, uh, that is how Murder Lab, the podcast, came to be. The funny thing is, so <laughs> the first thought was the musical, right? So I'm thinking about the musical, and then I'm like, well, what would the musical be, be called? And we're like, duh, Murder Lab. That's what the musical would be called. So the musical would be called Murder Lab. Well, then later, when I thought of the podcast, then I'm racking my brains. What should I call the podcast? And I'm looking up different names and, I don't know, thinking of different things. And then it hit me, like, dummy... It's Murder Lab. So Murder Lab is the podcast, and it may possibly become a musical. So it may all go hand in hand. And Todd, being the lovely, wonderful person that he is, he said, let's do Murder Lab Media. And because technically, um, the Nightman musical was a Queen Victoria production. But Murder Lab Media has a really nice ring to it. So I guess Queen Victoria Productions presents... <laughs> Murder Lab Media. And now Murder Lab Media will contain any of my whims. So it may, it, eventually I'll do something else that's not called Murder Lab. And uh, we'll see what that'll be, but who knows? So <laughs> stay tuned. I do have a few exciting announcements. If you are paying attention to my Murder Lab Facebook or my Murder Lab Instagram, you will see that I created 
Murder Lab Mondays. Technically, today was supposed to be the first Murder Lab Monday, but if you also pay attention to, well, mostly my personal Facebook feed, as you will see, again, my buddy Travis got his heart today. So I was a little busy hanging out at the hospital, and I didn't get a chance to record the episode. So I'm recording it now. So it's a little bit later on Murder Lab Monday, but it still will come out on Monday. So happy first Murder Lab Monday. What that means is that every other Monday, you can expect a new episode of Murder Lab. Whether it is a normal quote-unquote episode where I go over serial killers and blah blah blah, or if it's something like this, where it's just me yapping away, drinking some rye, telling you some stuff, or if it's me with a guest where we're discussing a topic, or I'm interviewing somebody who knows some shit, and they're going to tell us what they know that as it pertains to whatever true crime or serial killer topic that I have chosen, which I'm pretty excited. I do have some guests um, on the list to be showing up. So like my buddy, Mike Canistero, I'm going to have him on. He's a science professor. So we're going to talk about, you know, how do some of these sciencey things have to do with what the killers did? Like there was a documentary I watched about Graham Young. No, no, no. Sorry. I did watch one about him. It was uh, John George Haig, the uh, acid bath murderer, where the scientists actually took like a piece of chicken and put it in acid so you could see how it dissolved, which was pretty fucking cool. So obviously, since this is a podcast and you can't see it, we won't do that. Although maybe we could Facebook live it. I don't know. So anyway, we'll have Mike on and we'll talk about chemistry stuff and sciencey things as they pertain to serial killers. And there's all kinds of uh, fun stuff on the way. Today is the first one. The next one will be Monday, February 17th. And there are some months that you may get three. There's one month where I'll have three episodes in there. And how do you tune in to Murder Lab Mondays? You may be asking yourself. There are actually a few different ways now. So for a while now, I've had it where you had to go to murderlabmedia.com and download the episode. So we have... And by we, I mean Todd. Todd, my tech man, got the RSS feed set up, which, again, I thanked him on uh, the Facebook. Henrik Kuto, he um, suggested Pinecast. And uh, so we're using Pinecast. So thank you again, Henrik. Uh, He has several podcasts. One is Weekly Spooky. He's got some stuff going on. You should just check out Henrik. He's got a whole other thing. There's a bunch of stuff. He'll be on here at some point, I'm sure. The RSS feed is https pinecast.com slash feed slash murder lab you can go to the murder lab facebook page the instagram there is a rss feed page on murderlabmedia.com where it tells you that rss feed so you can go there look it up i use podkicker so i know it definitely works through there i just got notification today that we have been approved to be on Google Play. So starting tomorrow, Tuesday, February 4th, you'll be able to listen to us on Google Play. I am waiting for the Apple and iTunes permissions to that they um, are approving us to be on there. So we do have that waiting. So we'll let you know as soon as that happens. I am an Android person. <laughs> so like I've always had Samsung Galaxies. Although this last time... I did go with the Google Pixel 3. I love it. So, I, but what you noticed the other night is when we were talking to some of our friends, 
is that it seems like it's available on Android applications. And I don't know about iPhone stuff, but that's where the Apple and iTunes and stuff comes in. So I apologize if, if you use iPhones, maybe it's a little harder to get it on your pod apps. But uh, it's coming. And again, if you want to get your fix, you can always go to murderlabmedia.com and go to the download page and download them. So that's exciting. We're becoming more official. And I'm super excited. While I'm talking about being excited, I'm also excited because my sister Kathy and I will be going to CrimeCon in May. So I'm really excited because I've never been to a thing like that before. I've never been to a true crime convention or anything like that. Um, I mean, I've been to like comic book conventions and stuff, smaller ones. I've never been to any like really big conventions. So this is a big deal for me. My sister is super into true crime, which is also exciting for me since I decided to have a true crime podcast. It's awesome to have family that's excited about it. It was her idea. She's given me other podcasts to listen to. So I just listened to some true crime garage. I listened to the Jean Benet Ramsey series, which was good. And I love how in depth they get. If you have any other suggestions for true crime shows, send it to me on Facebook. I have an email on Murder Lab Media website. Instagram me if you want to give me some ideas. I have until May to really get all caught up on everything so, you know, I can talk to everybody about it. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to have some merch. I'm not an official vendor there or anything like that. But I figure, you know, I'm going to spread the word. I'm going to get the Murder Lab word out. And I'm going to find out about some other podcasts. There's all kinds of podcasts that will be represented there. There will be speakers. If you're going, let me know. Uh, maybe we can say hi there. If you're not going, maybe you should look into it. It's going to be in Orlando, Florida. It is at the World Center Marriott. It's May 1st through 3rd. You can look up crimecon.com. It's officially known as CrimeCon CC20 Orlando. I need to think of a name for the Murder Lab fa fans. So if you think of one... Just let me know. I want to, you know, this is all about feedback. So I'm very eager to have some conversations. Give me your feedback. Let me know what you think you should be called if you're a fan. Um, let's even come up with names for people who don't like me. I'm okay with that too. What I'm going to call the guests on the show, they will be lab rats. So I've thought of that one. Another reason that I decided to do an unconventional episode. This episode that I was going to air today was about Leonard Lake and Charles Ng who is a team, and then David Parker Ray. But I will tell you, is when I've heard people say how they get burnout reading about this stuff, like I know the last podcast guys, you know, will talk about how it just packed their brain and they need to get it out of their brain and that it haunts them, basically. Is <laughs> So far, I hadn't really felt that in the you know, four episodes that I've done. Fred and Rose West got to me. The... It's mostly the incest stuff, you know, taking advantage of their of their daughter. And well, and then what the things that they did to their the women that they tortured um, that got to me. But I was able to power through it. And. But David Parker Ray really, really got to me. And what's interesting about him is I, I there was serial killers that I knew, because everybody knows, well, maybe not everybody, but it's not unusual to know your Ted Bundys, your Ed Geens, you know. But I didn't know all of them. I had never heard of David Parker Ray until last podcast on the left. And Henry even mentions in that episode that he had never heard of him either. But technically, they cannot prove he killed anyone. So technically, he's not a serial killer. 
which is why he hasn't shown up a lot of my books. I have noticed, interestingly enough, that the more contemporary encyclopedias and books that I've been getting, they do reference him. Like Gary Heidnick, because Gary Heidnick killed two people. Technically, Ed Gein, as I've mentioned before, he can only be proven to have killed two people. But what they've done is so deplorable it trumps everything else. Even though the standard is three killer killing three people with a cooling off period, it's easier to include them in to the serial killer category because they stand out so much. Whereas you have people like Michael Lupo that I covered in the last episode, where I feel like his was pretty far out there, but for whatever reason, most people don't know about him and there's not even really much material on him. So while I was researching David Parker Wright, I have to admit that when I was listening to the last podcast episode, I did have to pause it and give myself a minute because it was, it was a lot. And which they do, I know they don't do it quite as much anymore because I think by now their listeners understand what the content's going to be. But if something was particularly disturbing, they would say it's a gold star moment because if you make it through, you've gotten gold stars because it's particularly disturbing. Um, so it was, and uh, I got my gold star, I made it through, but it was rough. So, but the thing is, is he fit perfectly with my topic of someone who had a room or building designated just to torture and possibly kill people. He was also very similar to Leonard Lincoln, Charles Ng and what they did. So I figured, well, that's a perfect episode to do the four to end the four part series with is to have them together. <laughs> so it makes sense, but I didn't know what it would do to me inside. They have a lot of transcripts and stuff from David Parker Ray and just reading the things that he would say, I literally felt nauseous and honestly a little lightheaded. It I felt just disgusted and sick to my soul. And I know that sounds dramatic, but it really it got to me in a way that I didn't expect it to and I I was able to put together an outline I got an outline together for Leonard Lake and Charles Ng, but anytime I would go to try to start working on the outlines, I just couldn't. Like, it just, it just got to me. I decided, you know what? Let's give ourselves a break. This is a, you know, it's an interesting weekend anyway. So, so originally I just wanted to get it out. I just wanted to do it. So I was just like, you just do it. Just get through it. You know, you just got to spew it out of there, get the information out, and then you can move forward and maybe get to a topic that's not as disturbing to me. Uh, you know, like I said, I can usually power through most of it, but I just, I just couldn't do it this time. And I promise that next Murder Lab Monday, February 17th, you will hear about Leonard Lake, Charles Ng, and David Parker Ray. But this time you get a fun-sized episode where I can just not think about terrible, terrible things for a little bit. And I think maybe you appreciate that too, having a little bit of a break. I don't know. And speaking of the gold star, Todd and I actually did have a conversation about whether we should have a disclaimer. I know some do. And I, I get it. I get why some uh, some podcasts may choose to do that. And especially... You know, like with with last podcast, if they say, okay, this is going to be a particularly hard moment. So I get wanting to say that. Um, but like to say it right off the bat, I just, to me, it felt awkward and condescending 
for me to be like this this episode may trigger you so if you're feeling sensitive or you don't like talk about blood and murder then maybe don't listen to this part so it's because it's a it's a fucking true crime podcast so my thinking is if you go into it's called murder lab you know so I, I, i'm hoping you'll already know that there may be some icky talk and there may be some uncomfortable things and i get uncomfortable too but we power through it, we get it out there, and we're adults. So let's just be adults. I'm not going to treat you like you're not. And if you're not, then know that you're not and just don't listen to me. You know, I want to be, be here for you. I want us to be in this together. We're in the Murder Lab together. I talked about how the Murder Lab name came to be. I mentioned the musical that will be happening. So we have Murder Lab Mondays coming out starting today. We have the RSS feed available at the Murder Lab Facebook page, Instagram, or MurderLabMedia.com. You can listen to it on Google Play. Stay tuned for the announcement when we are officially on Apple and iTunes. I will be going to CrimeCon in May, so I'm sure that I will have a lot to talk about when I get back from that. So that's something to look forward in May. One other thing that I was going to talk about before I wrap it up here. The other thing that I find interesting about serial killers is it's not just the serial killers. And again, when I mentioned that I, I love to organize and I love grouping information together and lists. Oh my God, I love lists. So I, uh, <laughs> so I think that... That what I like about it is because there are statistics and you can, you know, you can make lists of things. That's why there are serial killer baseball cards out there. So I know I've seen um, Rob Zombie had some. And I think that's part of the appeal is for those of us who, well, and maybe you like baseball too. I don't know. I'm not into sports. But like my dad had binders and I'm not exaggerating. He had binders for decades where he had the scores of every single football game that was played and literally binders for like 30 years worth of football scores. So that's kind of where I get it from, where I like lists of things. I like statistics of things. My dad would organize our VHSs. That's right, VHSs. So it's been a little bit. And so first he'd do them alphabetically and then he'd do it a different system and he would label them. And then you'd have a binder so you could <laughs> go to the binder and see where the VHS is on the shelf. And then he came up with another. So this is where I come from, people. So when I talk about having masking tape with numbers on my books, that is a very, that's, that's my dad thing to do. But I love it. I love organizing and details. So that's one of the things that's attractive to me about looking into serial killers and true crime is you have those facts and you have information. And even if maybe you can't prove that they're facts... You still have, I guess, quantifiable data there and you have patterns. And I think that's another thing that drives me crazy is when that pattern's broken or the fact is missing or the facts don't add up. So that has been one of my personal pet peeves in researching this is when the facts aren't adding up. And what's really frustrating is when I realize it right before I'm about to record. So that happened to me on the H.H. Holmes episode is I was... Looking over my outline, I was going to record it, you know, as soon as I was done looking over the outline and making sure it was in, in a good order and such. And I realized that 
it said, like one source said, okay, so the building was built on this date. And then, but then this happened on the second floor in this date and the dates didn't match. It was like, well, that couldn't have happened on the second floor because the second floor wasn't built yet, according to this other source. And so then I had to, I was like, I can't just, I can't just tape the episode and not have that resolved in my mind. So I actually did a little bit more digging and, you know, looked online and tried to find something that would reconcile. So I was able to find, and I probably even said in the episode that according to some sources, they said the third floor was built at this time, you know. So I came up with some kind of reasonable, but but that's what's frustrating is that you have sources and when you just kind of glance at it and you're just like, okay, so that says these things, so I'm going to say these things. But once you start comparing then you notice, oh, God, there's a gap here, you know? And that's one thing that's kind of driving me crazy with Leonard Lake and Charles Ng is, well, Leonard Lake specifically, is that I have sources that say he got married for the first time in 1975. But then I have another source that said he got married in 1969. So then I'm like, okay, you know, which source... And especially if, if you have five sources that say one thing and one source that says another, your inclination would be, well, the one source is probably wrong. But what if all five of those sources looked at the same wrong source and they're just qu- all quoting or like one person saw, oh, this source said 75. So then they reported it. So then the next person saw that book reported it. And, and it's just kind of that snowball effect, I guess, or domino effect where everybody's just citing the same or, you know, same wrong sources. Um, I have tried to look at my sources' sources. And what's interesting is when I find that there are sources that I'm already using, and I do have a few that I'm leery of. Um, there's a couple that I'm not, I'm I'm especially careful when reviewing that information because I have found things that don't seem to add up and don't seem to be correct. I don't really want to call out necessarily. I don't want to be the podcaster that calls people out and you know, picks fights and because uh, I'm not into that. I don't want to cause shit. But I do think it's important to be held accountable. Just like if anybody finds that something that I've said isn't accurate, call me out on it. Just let me know. Hey, you said this, but I saw in this and maybe we can have a discussion. Maybe, maybe I wasn't correct and I need to be corrected. I want to be correct. If it's possible, sometimes it's not possible to find the absolute truth with this kind of thing. But I'd like to be as accurate as I can, which on my website, I do have um, a page where I've started writing like basically blog entries. So I'm giving you extra information there. So on one of them, I talk about a podcast I listen to and I'm going to say it. It's Criminal Jobs. So I listened to one on Jeffrey Dahmer and I was like, okay, well, I don't know certain things. But there was enough in there that I knew about that seemed like they added up. So I was like, okay, well, I'll listen to another episode and just see. Well, he did BTK. And I happened to have read, you know, some things about BTK. And one of the things that I thought was interesting about BTK is he did not rape. And I had read, like, two books about it and some, you know, excerpts from encyclopedias. And it would specifically say he would pretend like he was going to rape them. So that way they would kind of, I guess, submit and calm down because, you know, the thought is, okay, well, I'll just, it'll happen. We'll get it over with and then he'll leave. So they kind of calm down and then he'll just strangle them. So 
you know, and there's one where he even, okay, so we'll get into that later because I'm sure I'll cover him later. But the point is he did not rape. But in this episode of Criminal Jobs, he said, and then he raped them. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. He just said rape. And then, okay, so I'm, I'm not a hard ass completely. I'm willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes you get excited, you get talking, the wrong word pops out. So maybe he slipped and said that. All right, I'll forgive it. You know, it's, I know better. It's kind of irritating if someone didn't know better, but okay. Well, then he said it again and he made it very obvious. Oh, and he raped. So he would rape them. So at that point I turned it off because that is just a bold faced untruth. And if it was, he said March 12th instead of March 5th, eh, you know, that's not as big of a deal depending on what we're talking about. But when you're talking about someone's MO and their, their signature, that is very important when it comes to serial killers because it goes into their psychology. It, it affects the whole thing. You know, he wouldn't rape. And then you go to, why didn't he rape? What was his? And then others, if they do rape, well, why was that an aspect of what they did? You know, so it's a very big piece when you're looking at a serial killer. That is a very big piece of it. So to get that fact wrong was upsetting to me. And I felt like it was a big enough offense that I unsubscribed and I won't listen to that anymore. Now, like I, I said, if you get little details, I can kind of, you know, it happens. And again, there are so many details out there that are conflicting. I can't expect everyone to be 100% right because we don't always know the 100% truth. But if it is something that is very obviously not in line with anything else, then I call it into question. So that's one thing I try to do is say, hey, found a source that says this. I personally don't think that it follows because it wasn't anywhere else. Or I found these three sources said this, you know, this is what I think makes sense. What do you guys think makes sense? Or, hey, this is what's out there. I just, it drives me crazy when people just say a blatant untruth because then what else are you saying that's wrong? And and I'm one of those, well, I guess it's a nerd. I'm one of those nerds that when they say Kool-Aid, when they're talking about Jim Jones, I immediately am like, mm, it's Flavor-Aid. And again, I guess it depends on how semantic you want to be about it. And I guess ultimately, it doesn't matter, I guess, if it was Kool-Aid or not. That The fact is he used that sugary substance to kill people with. So that, you know. But again, if you are in it to try to get as much of the truth as you can, that's why little details matter. It's I compare it to... Todd is into guitars. So to Todd, it matters if that tone is not where he wants it to be. And sometimes when he says, do you hear that? I don't hear it. And it's his guitar player ears that hear it, you know? So to him, it matters if that tone is not there. If that, you know, if it's, if the string's just a little out of tune and maybe I can't hear it because my ears aren't like his, it matters to him. So when you are really into something, I think, you know, it's important to try to get those details right and to try to pay attention to those and to call each other out if we're not doing that. There's another book. It's um, Jack Rosewood. It's his big encyclopedia, Serial Killers, where in one page he says the name, he spells the name wrong once, but then he spells it correct twice on the same page. It's annoying, but I'm like, okay, so that's obviously a copy editing thing. It's not the end of the world, you know. But there was also a case where I found that he said March 12th instead of March 22nd. And again, I'm like, Ugh. 
everything else seems to match other things that I'm looking at. But it makes me a little leery is if he does mention something that maybe I'm not seeing in other things, is that correct? And I know that I've read other things by him that I felt pretty confident in, but then it just, it, you can't, it shakes my confidence. And then it makes me leery of buying anything else from him because it looks like he's not copy editing or his people aren't copy editing enough or what, whatever. Um, so it's just important to pay attention to details. So that's another reason why I cross-check things is I basically, like I said, I had gone through all those encyclopedias I made a list of references so I can just look and say, okay, so Leonard Lake is in all these books that I know. I'll grab those books, and then I will look through each book at the passages that he's in. Or if it's an entire book about him, then um, I've already read through it and highlighted things, and so I go back through that. And then I start cross-checking facts and information. I compile it together, and if I see that two people have said the same thing, then I'm like, okay, so see that is in line. But if I see that someone says something different, I make note of that. And then I'm kind of cognizant of it throughout looking at all the other references. And, and I just try to be as accurate as I can. The frustrating thing is that there are so many books now. And, you know, it's, it's easy to say, okay, well, I've already read these 10 things. So that's got to be the complete information, right? So I'm basing everything on this complete information, it feels complete. But there's always a part nagging in the back of my brain, like, well, what if there's one other source that I haven't come upon yet? And they have that detail. They know that thing that the other people don't know. But, you know, but that's another reason why I tell you my references. You know, I try to be as thorough as I can. I also, you know, I have a day job, so I can't spend my entire day just researching this stuff. Another thing that's frustrating is like with uh, Michael Lupo and Carl Denke is when I was researching for them and I couldn't find books specifically about them and I would search a certain way and I thought I was pretty good at the Google but I would search one way and I would find and I'm like okay so this is apparently all that is there well then I'd say it just a little bit differently and then I'd find different things I'm like what the hell you would think just searching Michael Lupo would come up with all these Michael Lupo things <laughs> so now I have to rethink how am I I'm researching and if you have tips on better ways to research in Google then let me know because I'm happy to find them out. Another thing that I noticed is when I was searching for David Parker Ray, one source was calling him David Ray Parker. And I found a source that way. But then again, I got a little nervous, like if anyone else is calling him David Parker Ray and he says David Ray Parker, eh. Although technically his name was David Parker or David Ray. He went by David Parker Ray some because one was his mom's name. So, but you know, I'll get into that later but but the point is is sometimes it's uh it's a little bit uh sticky sometimes and that, that's one of the things that I like about it but um just so you know I am doing what I can to give you as accurate information as I can find so there you go I try not to rant too much during the episode about things that have pissed me off about that research but I figure I honestly think it's kind of interesting the challenges that I faced doing research. And I don't know if anyone else thinks it's interesting. I would think they might. I know I talked to someone and I was like, oh my God, I love researching this stuff. And they're like, oh my God, I love researching too. So there has to be more of us out there that just like the process of researching and, you know, gathering the information together and putting it in an, in an outline or something. So hopefully 
other people will find it interesting. If you, uh, I mean, I'm going to put out a few more episodes where I'm just talking about stuff. So, I mean, it's like anything else. If you don't like it, you don't have to listen to this episode. You can listen to the ones that you like. You can tell me the ones that you like more. And, you know, um, I'm happy to hear opinions and get suggestions. Well, I think that's going to be it for this first fun-sized Murder Lab Monday episode. As I stated before, the next Murder Lab Monday will be on Monday, February 17th. And I will be discussing Leonard Lake and Charles Ng and David Parker Ray. So that'll be, uh, that's definitely, to steal last podcast, that's definitely a gold star episode. So um, be prepared. I'll probably be, uh, I normally, just in case you're curious, I do normally have a little bit of uh, whiskey while I'm doing this to help, you know, loosen the mouth muscles and, you know, get me a little less in my head and calmer, you know. So uh, normally it's a uh, bullet rye, but like I said, this episode is from a buddy Travis. He had gotten us redemption rye, which is pretty good. I actually I like to put a little bit of honey in it. So you know I uh, it's it's for the vocal cords. So there you go. So you can try some a little bit of honey in your whiskey. It's not quite the same as if you get like a whiskey that has honey in it, but it's a nice little it's it's a nice little surprise for your mouth. Thank you for tuning in. Once again, you can go to MurderLabMedia.com to get downloads of the episodes, to get more information. You can now find the RSS feed, so that way you can listen to it on your pod apps. You can find us on Google Play. Pretty soon we'll be on iTunes, but not quite yet, so stay tuned for that. And thank you again for joining the Murder Lab.